all that long, but she has been a bright light for us of faithfulness and obedience, and particularly, I don't know if you knew this or not, but my wife and I talk about you a lot on our way home from church because you're such an encouragement in the brief time we can spend together. Um, but uh, Jemmy's going to share her testimony of how she came to the Lord Jesus Christ as her Savior at this time. So when I was five years old, my mom passed away, and with my dad working overseas at the time, I moved around a lot to live with different relatives. Though I have amazing aunts and uncles that raised me, I still developed a fear that I'd never be loved the way my mom loved and cared for me. So to not feel that way, or like I was being a burden to my family, I figured that if I was well-behaved, kept all the rules, then it'd be easier for them to love me. In retrospect, I didn't realize how this fear spilled over into other areas of my life. Fast forward to when I was 16, I decided to get baptized without really questioning my salvation or understanding of the gospel. Before then, I vaguely remember being at VBS and saying yes when the camp counselor asked if I wanted to ask Jesus into my heart. From that point on, I lived what I thought to be the true Christian life. I stayed out of mischief, I attended every church event, and led small group Bible studies. I was that kid in high school that brought their Bible with them everywhere, and I made sure it was seen. <laughs> Though I, I walked the walk and talked the talk, inwardly I felt empty. When I sinned, I'd spiral into despair. I had no proper understanding of forgiveness, grace, and definitely lacked assurance of salvation. I felt like I was a constant disappointment and that I wasn't doing enough of the right things for God to be pleased with me. Some of the preaching I heard at that time emphasized gaining more favor and blessings for your life if you did more to serve God. So I started fasting more. I'd even go up to strangers in the grocery store offering prayer. I felt like all of my things to do for God boxes were checked and yet I still felt like a fraud. Since moving to Cleveland, I started hearing more about the Puritans, specifically John Bunyan. I kept seeing the audiobook and the movie for Pilgrim's Progress on my YouTube timeline, and I heard it mentioned on Truth For Life. So, like the good student that I am, I opted to watch the movie rather than read the book. <laughs> <laughs> the scene that opened my eyes to my condition was seeing Christian go off the path that led to Celestial City towards the mountain of morality in hopes that his burdens would be removed. As he climbed, it was evident that keeping the rules to reach the top was impossible. Sorrowful that he went off the path, evangelists assured him that the king forgave all his missteps and encouraged him back on the right path. I actually re replayed the scene because I didn't want to believe it was that simple. There weren't any lengthy prayers begging the king to forgive him nor was he demoted to a lesser path, but the same one that led to the king that many pilgrims before him ventured. Needless to say, I was in tears by the end. I couldn't believe I went so long thinking that my self-righteous deeds could help me maintain a right standing before God or make him love me more. Ephesians 2.8 and Romans 8.1 finally became a reality. For by grace you have been saved through faith, this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
Finally, aware of how desperately I needed the saving grace of the Lord, not more good works, I repented of my self-righteousness. Now armed with assurance of my salvation that is found in Christ alone, through faith alone, and not by any amount of works, I'm taking the step of obedience to be baptized. It's freeing to finally understand that I don't have to work to earn God's love, but I can rest in what has been done on the cross. Though these are not my words, in Christ alone captures what the Lord has done for me. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the power of Christ I stand. Amen. Amen. Upon your profession of faith and demonstration of fruits of repentance and desire to obey the Lord in baptism, I'm proud to baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. folks I'm sure you you recognize we have the opportunity through testimonies to become more familiar with these folks and um, I hope you appreciate the reading of the testimonies I'll have you step over here my man sure. um, because these testimonies are the demonstration of the spirit and power of God in their lives so we have no gospel unless we have a changed life and it's good for everyone here to hear how the gospel changes a life and it's good for us that have known the Lord for a long time to have these things sung to us and spoken to us over and over and over again. Uh, it's part of our worship, so go ahead and read your testimony. Austin. Well, good morning. I'm Austin. So excited to share this with you today. Um, I want to sincerely thank you for this opportunity to share my testimony and be baptized. Uh, this has been in me to do for some time, and I've been a little resistant. But through the encouragement of many in the Lord's leading, I'm excited to finally honor and obey him in this way. Just a few weeks ago on Easter, I was reminded of my salvation story and how it was exactly eight years ago on Easter I first accepted Christ into my heart. Hearing Scott's testimony uh, and witnessing his baptism encouraged me to finally take action. I finally realized that although I was baptized as an infant, doing this now as a believer is what's right. I pray my baptism can be an encouragement to those around me and Lord willing encouragement to a family of my own one day. When I was young, my church experience looked like this, going to Catholic Mass for Easter and Christmas and occasionally with family at other times. And that was about it. <laughs> um, from a young age, I felt really drawn to the church, though, and I don't know, maybe it was the liturgy or the corporate prayer and <laughs> or maybe even how it smelled. I recognize it now, but since I was very young, I had a deep desire to have faith in something. I didn't know what exactly that was supposed to look like or what I needed to do exactly, but I knew it had something to do with the God of the Bible. When I was in 10th grade, I remember starting the process of being confirmed to the Catholic Church. It was a deep dive in some of the doctrine and teaching, but honestly, I just became more and more confused as to what it was I should actually put my faith in. I remember that time once going to confession, and when it was time to share the sin with, my, with the priest, all I could do was cry. I was overwhelmed with the sin in my life for the first time, and had realized who I really was, just someone who couldn't really get it right. 
Um, and I wasn't convinced at all this person who I was talking to could really help me either. <laughs> the shackles of my sin were finally revealed to me, uh, and I needed someone to save me. At the same time, my dad was coming to faith. And uh, there's leadership. He wanted us to leave the Catholic Church. And um, I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyway, my dad was brought to faith, and it really was an incredible thing God had done, and he took us out of the Catholic Church as a family, and um, in 2014, we ended up at a true church that served Jesus well, and um, when I was 15, I heard the gospel for the first time, and it made sense. I didn't know what happened at the time, but the burn of sin hadn't been set down after I heard that sermon that day, and I heard the true gospel, and that I heard that it was possible to be alive forever, and because of his victory, because of the victory he won for us through Jesus, and that through grace we've been saved, and through faith alone, through Christ alone, we have salvation. And um, the summer following that Easter service, I found myself visiting my aunt, and she'd been a Jesus follower for a long time, and uh, for whatever reason, we were talking about things of faith. I explained to her my experience from that Easter, and uh, she encouraged me and provided clarity on what was going on here. <laughs> that a process I didn't totally understand had started in my heart, and that had been made new that day. And that was eight years ago, and since then, through peaks and valleys, I've grown a lot. My Bible came alive, and I was eager to understand why. I was and still am full of zeal for God, and want to serve him in new and unique ways. I plan to devote my life to being a student of the word and to be a servant leader for God and to continue to boldly pursue my relationship with Jesus. I'm thankful for the unique stories given me, and through writing this, I honestly feel like I finally believe for myself what's truly unique. I have much love for this church family, and I thank you for hearing this story. Uh, God's direction for me to come to this church was a huge answer to prayer, and I'm very grateful for that. And for me to be baptized here is an incredible victory. want to encourage your hearts. I, I am encouraging the other pastors. Uh, I would like to see them baptize people they oversee. And uh, so I hope that makes sense to you. Uh, it's an honor to baptize all of these folks. And I understand why I've done that for 30 years. But um, 
It's just my heart to have the other pastors obey their function in the obedience of the ordinances as well. So going forward, uh, I guess you could have, I don't know if I just opened my mouth and stuck my foot in or not, Pastor Mike and Pastor Kent, but we'd like, we'd like for them to do that. If you'd like me to baptize you, I'm honored to do that. But if these men oversee college and career or youth or whatever, I want you to know it is okay if another pastor baptized these folks, but I'd be glad to, to do it as well uh, if you ask. Um, so, okay. I don't know what that was for, but I, I, if it's applause, it must be good, I'm assuming. Oh, oh, it's a good idea. Okay, thank you, Virginia. Appreciate that. Um, um, you're all welcome to applaud and anything you think is a good idea. I mean, if it, that felt good. <laughs> Anyways, let's have a word of prayer. It's, it's an honor to have you all with us. Uh, you are a sweet and precious church family. And uh, I, I would hope that you would take a moment, especially after the sermon we heard, the song that we sung at the end, and the testimonies we just heard, to maybe just be a little bit more aware of some hurting people around you and spend some time with them today, okay? All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you. Thank you so much for the miracle of your grace that you wrought in our hearts. Two more miracles of that grace we heard in Jemmy and Austin's life today. and They are the demonstration. We are the demonstration of the spirit and power of God as we heard the gospel. And you quickened us who were dead in our trespasses and sins to believe. Thank you for that mercy. Thank you for that grace. Thank you for the opportunity we have as your adopted ones to gather together and to worship you, our audience of one who is holy and creator and worthy of our worship. Lord, would you be pleased with the way we entice one another love and good deeds now as we weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice as we anticipate gathering this evening to remember your sufficient atonement for us on the cross. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed. Lord bless you all.